You are listening to The Effective Statistician, episode number 53. What is the best career option for me? An interview with Oliver Schönborn-Kellenberger. Welcome to The Effective Statistician with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, the weekly podcast for statisticians in the health sector designed to improve your leadership skills, widen your business acumen and enhance your efficiency. Please follow me on LinkedIn because I regularly post there much more content, share additional things, um, tips and tricks, uh, share other things that I have seen from other people. So lots of nice content there. So just hop on to LinkedIn. If you are not yet there, it's a very, very good professional platform and just connect with me. In the interview today, we talk about very, very important things because it's all about career. And whether you want to change your job or you're just looking for your first job or even if you consider to start your own company or work as a freelancer, we have a very, very good guest here because he has actually worked in all these different scenarios for himself. And so he can compare the different pros and cons of these different uh, setups. The podcast is created in association with PSI, a global member organization dedicated to promoting best practice and industry initiatives. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to special interest groups, the video on demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars and much, much more. Just visit the PSI website at psiweb.org and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician. And this time it's all about your career opportunities. And uh, as usual, I have my co-host Benjamin with me. Hi, Benjamin. How are you doing? Hello, Alexander. Well, thank you. And as a guest today, we have Oliver Schönberg-Kellenberger. Hi, Oliver. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm good. Good morning, Alexander and Benjamin. How are you? Thanks. So... <laughs> Very good. Actually, just as we chatted shortly before the um, recording, we all graduated from the same university in Göttingen. And, yep. uh, Indeed. Long time ago. <laughs> Long time ago. Um, but this is not the topic today. Uh, the topic today is really speaking about different career options. And um, we will talk about a little bit of different company setups, pharma company, biotech company, CROs. Um, and of course, these CROs and companies we'll talk about um, yeah, reflect, of course, their, their different setups. But every company, of course, has a little bit of a unique setup and a little bit of a unique culture. So um, you'll get a lot of information from it, but it's not always necessary necessarily you know the right thing and of course in the end it's all people we work with so um, just to keep that in mind okay so let's um, 
first, Oliver, maybe you can introduce yourself. What are you doing now and how did you get there in kind of a very, very short wrap up? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm still working as a statistician in the pharma industry. Uh, I've set up my own companies about five years ago. Uh, it's an independent consulting company, um, and we do consult biotechs and large pharma companies in implementing adaptive trial design, especially in the early phase. And that's what I've been doing the last five years. Okay, but you actually didn't start out that uh, way directly. Initially, you started at a, a CRO. Um, why did you do that when you, uh, <clears throat> after your diploma at university? Well, uh, very typical. I came out of university and I wanted to work in the pharma area and I applied to several companies and one of them was a CRO. Um, and that CRO offered me a job and that's why I went there and which I took as a first step into the pharma industry. Um, which was, from a retro perspective, a very good step because um, it gave me some very good insights in in how CROs work, which also helped me a lot later in my in my life, <laughs> in my pharma life. How did it help you later on? Well, because when you know how a CRO works, and later on as a sponsor, you need to oversee a CRO and you need to understand how how they're setting up their business model. It helps you a lot to manage them on how to manage them to see what is their demand, how are they operating. And so you can you can better see what is their needs, what is their task that you need to give them and what's the way how you communicate with them. So at the end you get what you need in your in your outputs. And that's that's you know in our time is it's very important to have uh, uh, you know access to data to be able to report data and also you know to get all the results in a timely manner because everyone wants to you know go into the next step in, in in the development they want to go into the next phase they want to go into registration so it's very important and it's very time critical and i think that's what a lot of us statisticians also feel is you know we are we are the bottleneck when it comes to presenting the data and uh, when i when you can manage your cro and they are able to deliver in time It helps you to deliver your results in time as well at the pharma company or your client. Okay, that sounds a little bit more like a project management task. I mean, as we know, if this is a big overlap with statisticians' task, but what actually is the the statistics side, uh, like where you see differences between the CRO and then also working at, at the pharma side? Well, at the CRO, you usually get your protocol. So in the protocol, and if you have, a, if you're working with, with good companies, your protocol is already very, very detailed in terms of, you know, which model will you use? What is the terminology that you use? Will you, you know, if you have the time to event analysis, it should include all the censoring information. It should include everything about, um, you know, missing data. We are now having this discussion about estimates. All this should be very clearly defined in the protocol. So when you get it in CRO, there is no, not a lot of times that you have actually impact on that. You get this presented. You don't have to develop this layer yourself. Um, in the pharma company, you you are the one who writing those protocols. So you have to put much more effort into, you know, how do you set up everything? You know, do, are you doing the right analysis? Have you covered everything? Um, and, and that's that's a bit the difference that I experienced. So, and is that what you also then brought you to your next step in the career to to a pharma side? Yes. So um, when I was I was two years with a CRO, and after that I had the opportunity to join a large pharma company, and that was of course a big step. You know, coming out from a deliverable from a, from a service perspective into actually the other way around, into strategic perspective to say, well, I can actually now write protocols, and now I can you know oversee the execution of those protocols. 
Um, so that was, uh, from my perspective, a very good next step. Yeah. Okay, so you really worked then at the, you know, at the farmer sites together with the CROs, as you mentioned, not in a like let's say uh, methodology um, part of the company where you know you've been involved really in stats more in an in a in a, um, academic or you know more in a no a okay so i really changed ch changed the role from one side yeah. of the table to the other side of the table so okay, from yeah, you know doing the doing the work in overseeing the work when you were working at uh the CRO, um what was your kind of day-to-day -day jobs how did that look like so the day-to-day -day job in a CRO is you have your protocol and then, you know, the main task at the CRO is you're writing an analysis plan and you're overseeing the uh, programming of the analysis. So um, a lot of times you have programmers do the, the basic tables like adverse events, like, you know, very simple frequent, frequentist descriptors analysis. And as a statistician, you were doing the uh, more complicated things as soon as there were some influentials in there um, that that was on your table. You need to program that. Um, you need to validate other statisticians and you need to validate the programmers. So you get programs, you get outputs, you need to look at them. You need to make, you know, uh, quality checks. Are they what the client would like to have? Are they corresponding to the, to the SAP? Um, and uh, that's kind of like your day-to-day -day business. And then when it comes to reporting, so when you, you lock your database, you also have to review the data. You know, you have to make uh, decisions about um the populations uh when you when you look at them have they have major protocol deviations things like that and then that's what you present to your clients yeah. and in terms of this programming efforts did you do something similar than at novartis just on a kind of um different level with novartis uh programmers and with zero programmers yeah so it's 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 then <laughs> when you're on the other side of the table of course a lot of times you have to prove the quality of the CRO. So you get the results and then you reprogram at least the key outputs uh, most of the times by yourself. So you're rechecking if the CRO provides that. So there you're doing kind of the same, the same thing. Um, in terms of um, reporting, well, when it comes to pharma, you not only have usually the picture of your single study, which the CRO normally has, um, you also have the overview of your whole development program. And that sometimes means means you also have to think about how you can merge studies, how you can bring study data together, how you report it, if we're talking about clinical summary of efficacy or clinical summary of safety. Um, so that is something that you you rather do at the pharma level. So um, it's it's more on the program level and not only on the single study level. Okay. Uh, you how, how long have you been then in the CRO? Um, so I, I was two years in the CRO. Two years in the CRO. Okay. Yeah, and then I joined Big Pharma. Okay, yeah. so what well, I mean then probably I mean I was I was just wondering what the development options were different uh, in a CRO or at a pharma company or the large pharma company. But maybe after two years, there wasn't really like a like a big option for you at that time. Yeah, well, in, in, to develop in CROs is, is, I mean, they working from the service model. So um, you can, of course, become at a certain time, you start as junior statisticians or statisticians, and then you have the opportunity to become senior statistician. Um, and then you can slowly develop. In terms of work, that doesn't change that much. Maybe at a certain time when you're more confident, they allow you to go to clients, to bid defense meetings, things like that. But the development opportunity, I mean, there is usually one head of biostats in 
in in a CRO, and that's one position, and not everyone can, of course, can become that position. So uh, the development opportunities are not that large at a CRO, but it gives you a good start and a good insight in in you know how the market works and what are the needs. So um, for me, still, you know, this has been 15 years ago. Um, I'm still, you know, having a lot of benefit seeing that side of the of the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I would say that that probably depends on the size of the CRO. Of course, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, um, I'm obviously working in a, one of the largest CROs, and there are definitely more than one head of something. <laughs> so, we, um, so no, but anyway, no, I agree. It's my piece that there there are um, different different uh, development opportunities. But what about the pharma then? So, how does it look like in the pharma company compared to the CRO? Well, of course, in a pharma company, there is there's um, there's a larger bandwidth. So at least the one I worked, which was a very large company, they had the opportunity, you know, um, to go into methodology group. You also had opportunities to switch indications, so to look at different therapeutic areas. Um, you had the opportunity to go to into early development or to go into a late development phase four. Um, so at least from a statistical perspective, there is a much more fields that you could go to and, you know, experience yourself and actually switch also as well. So when I get, got to big pharma, I started in, um, in, in, in late phase. So I was on a phase three project in, um, in uh, uh, one indication and then later on I switched into uh, a completely other group into into oncology and also into early phase so um, that was a very nice opportunity that was was possible there which wasn't possible at the CRO at the CRO usually you get your projects I mean you see different therapeutics areas but you're you you always get what you know what um, it's been told that's the next project and you don't have much choices in those regards because that's what you what you obviously get at the CRO is, is a protocol and to execute the protocol. Mm-hmm. In terms of in terms of people you're working with, uh, so cross-functionally, how was that different from a CRO to the pharma point of view? Well, so on a statistical and programming level, it was very similar. We all see the tendencies now in terms of global organizations. So um, when I worked at the CRO, we had some sites in the UK and they were slowly starting up in, 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 in India. So you there you learned, you know, how to work internationally. But for the big pharma, that was almost the same. Yeah. So in terms of programming, statistics and data management, I wouldn't say there was such a big difference. In terms of, and again, it's, it's you look at the global development program, of course, at the pharma company, you also get in contact on the, on the state, in contact with the stakeholders, those who are making the decisions. You know, this is how we execute our clinical development program. This is, you know, where we want to be, which indication, which label we would like to get, all those reg- uh, thoughts about, you know, you know, decision making, which program will we take forward. And that, of course, you don't get at a CRO. Yeah. yeah. So, so in terms of working with other stakeholders, in terms of physicians, regulatory scientists, uh, health outcome scientists, marketing, uh, senior people that you know more on the executive levels that make portfolio decisions, these these type of people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Did you have any? Um, contact at your pharma side with uh, people outside of the pharma so, so beyond the CRO of course but but with with customers actually so uh, 
you know, the customers of the pharma company, not the customers of the CRO. Yeah. So in the areas I worked, I did not. So um, there it was purely development. Yeah. So but it was also because I worked in phase one to phase three. So um, yeah, there was not much focus at this time in this time of the development, of course, on, you know, patients, um, buyers, things like that. That was also the time when this slowly started to up. When I started in pharma, this wasn't such a big topic. It became later on. So there were new groups built for um, so-called health technology assessment groups that were um, supposed to build up, you know, what's the value of your of your product? You know, how do you... Um, How do you uh, discuss this with outside stakeholders? Um, there was also the time, you know, with the in, in Germany where we now have the GBA that was just coming all. That was mm -hmm. very new to everyone, and um, so there was a small group that had contact to that, but I myself did not have any interaction at that time point. Yeah, of course, it, there's a lot of change happening in the pharma. Um, sector overall so so things that were true maybe you know 20 years ago are not true anymore uh, today yeah how did your career move on then after mm -hmm. big pharma yeah so um one of the things i i, I mean I, i'm very thankful for what every everything i learned in big pharma because you really see a lot of things and you know that there's um, you, you can learn so much and there's so many opportunities. But one thing at a certain time point that came to me is that decisions, at least in big pharma companies, are a lot of times political decisions. So your focus is not always, you know, what you think about your drug and where you want to bring your drug. It's more about, you know, we have five or seven or six drugs in the same area. Um, which one is the best and, and there's decisions and there's a lot of layers of decisions. So, um, you know, from, from, a, from a statistical perspective, there is your trial statistician, there is your program statisticians, there is usually your, your unit head statisticians and there is your global head of statisticians and, and, and everything needs to be discussed with every layer. And you're, you're spending a lot of time having those discussions, which from a pharma perspective is good and makes sense. But from the drug development perspective, sometimes is limiting you. And, and I said to myself, you know, I actually want to go out to a small company, to biotech, biotech company, and I want to learn, you know, what is it when you have to focus on your drug? You have one or two drugs, and that's, that's your value. And you have to, you know, bring that to a decision point where you say, well, it's worse to develop this further or to stop development of that. So everything, everyone in a company is focused On, on that decision. And that was a thing, a thing that I really would like to experience. And so I went out of Big Pharma and went to a smaller biotech company, which wasn't that small anymore at that time point, but still had this kind of flair. So, so when you went to that small biotech company, how many statisticians were there at the time? Three. So okay. there were three, but we were just bought by a large pharma company. <laughs> and... <laughs> With that, we had slowly coming in those layers that we didn't have before. <laughs> so, which is probably not completely unusual for no. biotech pharma company to, to be bought. So, so I think that is um, that very well reflects you know the overall trend. There is uh, the big pharma companies, of course, they could merge as well. Um, 
just looking into the history of Pfizer, it merged quite a lot. <laughs> and um, there's a couple of other pharma companies that also merged together. So, so um, if you think of Novartis, how, how they merged together, uh, or Sanofi uh, merged also a couple of times. So um, there's surely, you know, always some... Um, some point in your career where that can happen. And yep. so when that happened with, at your biotech company, um, how was that for you? Well, <laughs> it was even a bit more complicated. So, of course, for for me, everything was new. It's a new company, so it's a new environment. So you start learning anyway on how things were. But for people who were previously there, I know some of them were not so happy and some of them left. The company um, so um, I, I mean it's our daily business and and from my perspective it wasn't I didn't have much difficulties with that because I just started new anyway so you know getting adapted to that situation was not so difficult from you know entering a new company mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. and in the time when you were at this uh, smaller biotech company with just three statisticians um, Did you see that it was so much different to a very large company where you had maybe three or 500 statisticians? Well, w one of the things that was different for me was that I had a feeling if, you, if you're a small group of statisticians, you're valued much more in that company than you're valued in a larger company. I mean, if you're in a company where you have like 200, 300 statisticians, um, you know, there's a lot of expertise, there's a lot of statisticians here. If you're a small company, And there's only three people who have a certain knowledge and not only a certain knowledge about statistics, but also about data management, about programming, about, you know, drug development, about, you know, how you submit a drug, things like that. You know, people come much more often to you and ask you and discuss this with you and involve you also in decision making. Yeah. So they come and say, well, Oliver, we have an important meeting. Can you come and join? We would like to discuss this and the strategy and what we're doing there. So you're, you're, you're much, you're, you're, in terms of your team, you're much closer together. And that was a very nice and good feeling. Yeah. Mm, I can believe it is. Um, and and how far how fast did the, the change then come? I mean, you started with three, <laughs> you said, and like, was it basically that you three and then one left and then uh, 100 other came? So, or was it kind uh, of a separate company within the, uh, within the big uh, company? How, how did yeah, so, so that, that was very quickly. So what happened is we had one project which was very successful. Um, and because it was very successful, the large pharma company bought. just bought that. <laughs> bought the employee, uh, bought that, that biotech company said, well, um, you know, we actually, this is so important for us. We would like to develop that by ourselves. So what they've done is they closed the site and took the project to themselves. Um, so that was a very quick change. And um, I had the opportunity or what was offered the opportunity to stay in the big pharma company maybe to move locations, but to stay. Um, but at that time point, I just came out of a big pharma company and I had reasons why I didn't want to be there and experience this new field. Um, so I made the decision not to stay with them and to leave the company. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just just a moment in terms of the uh, biotech company. If, if you think back, you had just three statisticians there. Um, and of course, that was probably even smaller from a stats level than um, the PRO you, you originally started with uh, directly after university. So in terms of your 
uh, career options at a biotech company. Um, can, is that then so much different to uh, zero? As a no, so, so, so of course it was very clear. If you're at a biotech company, you know, in terms of if you want to keep doing your statistical work, there's not much, you know, much development op opportunities. Um, there is, um, you, you have your projects and that what you work on. There's, there's no, sometimes there is a, some kind of functional level who oversees certain things, but there is no real head of biostatistics. Um, But, you know, the nice thing about that is you, you're the responsible person. You're the key person for this task. Um, so you make the decisions, you make the proposals, you are working with the team. So, you know, if you're not only looking on, a, you know, how to become head of biostatistics, but if you also say, you know, I want to make decisions on drug development, then this is a very nice opportunity at biotech company because there you're really involved in decision making. Mm, but yeah. wouldn't it then be then also an option to work in a very small CRO? I mean, it sounds to me like a very small CRO that is usually working closely, like partnering with one bigger company, that uh, pharma company, and therefore maybe having almost 100% of the work dedicated to that one probably component or, or a company. So where the statisticians are really involved deeply and there's probably just two statisticians, few data management or programmers, so not not a um, not a separation of functions as we see in, in larger companies. So would it be then basically this the same opportunities that you, you experienced in uh, in the um, biotech company? Well well so far I haven't worked at a small zero. Um, I'm working now with a lot of small zeros from a sponsor perspective again, but we maybe come to this later. Um, I, I, At least my experience is still when you get into the project or into the program, it's a single perspective. You usually get your protocol or, you know, in, in a lot of times, at least you get the synopsis um, and you're not seeing the full program. You know, you usually see one study of that. So um, at least from my perspective, it's not so similar. Um, And, and the other difference is if you're in a biotech, you come, you, your focus is really, you know, just one or two products that you have in a zero. You usually have three or four or five projects, which are completely independent. So, so that's, that's for me still mm. a difference what I see. But yes, I mean, um, if, you're, if you're working with small companies, with other small companies, there are some opportunities at Zeros as well to give that kind of input. Uh, and, and a lot of times, I mean, I really like when I now work with zeros, I really like to have the interactions with their statisticians and to get their input and their thoughts on the protocol. Um, unfortunately, um, and this might be again on this. Get to bit defense meetings, bring their statisticians who have, you know, really their statistical thoughts about the protocol. A lot of those times it's more talked about monitoring, about other functions, um, and not really about, you know, the statistical methodology. Mm. So. Yeah, that's what I also <laughs> experienced in the past. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the last five minutes. So in terms of the um, then changing from uh, the small uh, biotech companies that was uh, bought, um, you took a leap and started your own company. Um, what did you like about that? 
Well, of course, you're completely independent now. I mean, you have to, you, you can do what you want. You can focus on what you want. And if that works, and if you have clients that, you know, like the way you work, um, it's it's very beneficial because you, you have all the freedom. You can choose your project. You can choose your clients. You can choose the work that you would like to do. And that's, of course, a, a very different step than, than everything that I have done before. And that's 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 a really nice thing. Um, of course, I had an advantage. I'm specialized in a certain kind of statistical methodology when we talk about Bayesian adaptive designs. There's not that many statisticians currently who have that knowledge and also have the experience of running such trials. And that was really the advantage when I started my own company. So um, that I can provide this information and, you know, the setup and the running of such trials to smaller biotechs who don't have statisticians in-house or, you know, who just don't know how to set up such trials. But, but you just said um, you can choose your vendor, uh, your clients. But, um, of course, that's a very, very nice situation to be in. But um, how did you get up with, with clients in the first place? Uh, Well, so <laughs> since I've been a long time in pharma, I had built up quite a network. A lot of people who I worked with at the big pharma company who have left the pharma company um, running now biotechs. And they said, we would like to have a certain kind of adaptive trial run in our company, but we don't find anyone who is able to run that. And they came to me and they said, well, can you run such trials? And I said, yes, I've run such trials and I can provide you also you know, um, in, in, in all kinds of supports around that. And, and that's how I how it actually started up. So it was really, the benefit really was, you know, I had a large network coming out of those companies you know, and people approaching me saying, well, you would like to work with us because we, we don't have a statistician in-house. Can you, can you help us? Hmm. Yeah, it's a comfortable situation. It seems to be a shortage of statisticians in general. So, Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the other big thing. As uh, I mean, that's the very, we are in a situation where we say there is not that many from us here. Yeah, there's, uh, there's not that many from us that have, you know, experience. And that really puts us in a comfortable situation. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of a employee market where, you know, yeah. um, employers need to sell their positions to, to statisticians yeah. to, to find yeah. them. Um, and, because it, and we know it will not end ones. because, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and we know it will not end because everyone is talking about big data. Everyone is talking about personalized medicine. Everyone is talking about, you know, how can we use all the data that we have? And in a lot of cases, people don't even talk to statisticians yet. Mm -hmm. And this will come in the future even much larger. Yeah. So um, statisticians are really needed there. And uh, unfortunately, Or fortunately for us at this time point is there there's not that many out there who can mm -hmm. actually do that work. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe just one more. Uh, you're saying you're your own boss, so that means that you are really you you and yourself, and uh, you don't have any people with you that yours um, that you are responsible for. It's really you, or, or do you have somebody like contracted or involved or bring into the business as well together? No, with so. We started up with a freelance model. So I had uh, two to three freelancers working for me on, on, on smaller projects. Um, we actually have uh, hired now the first person and actually on the way to hire the next person. So it's not just me. Um, when I started the company, we were two people. Um, we are now three to four people. Okay. So when you went for yourself you went actually with someone else together and founded a yes. company okay yes yes so. i wasn't by myself we've done this with two people um because uh, we, we we've seen the opportunity saying well you know 
Bayesian methodology is coming into pharma industry and, and we can just provide that information. Mm-hmm. And, and that is still a trend that we'll see and that will come, especially with all the discussions about umbrella trials and, uh, uh, you know, multiple extension arms or multiple indication arms, things like that. And that's where you need just a new methodology of statistics and what where, where the current methodology is just not providing sufficient. Yeah. So, um, so you directly had your unique selling proposition ready when yes. you started yeah. uh, your, your yes. company, which is really, really yeah. good. But but looking back, um, what would you have liked to have known before you started your company, which is, by the way, called Cogitas? Do I pronounce that correctly? Yes, Cogitas. It comes from Latin. It's a mix from Cogitare, which is uh, thinking, and Ars, which is art, so the art of thinking. Okay, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, uh, well, of course, if you start your own company, there's a lot of other skills that you need to learn. There's a lot of other skills like bookkeeping, you know, the regulatory part of it, SOPs, all those kind of things um, that, you know, we are working in a highly regulated environment. So these are all the things that you usually when you work at the company, they have them, they have everything in place. And that is something that you need to set up. And one of the learnings we had in the first year is, You know, we cannot do everything by ourselves. We have to find people from the outside um, who can, you know, take off some of those tasks from us, like bookkeeping, um, and, and we pay those people rather than, you know, we try to do everything really by ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I think that is the key thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. you, you beca- need to have a good network of people that you work with uh, outside of your company. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the outsourcing thing. That's why CRO exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even though CROs outsource a lot, I'm, I'm well, pretty sure. Do, but, but for example, booking, bookkeeping. <laughs> um, no, but, but just looking back now, like to your two careers. So, what what would you say as you know is the most important career advice in terms of choosing the right company for maybe let's say new statisticians or maybe statisticians with some experience? So for the listeners of, of the podcast. Yeah. So, so, so what really helped me is, and, 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 you know, I just can encourage everyone who is getting into that field, you know, not only focus on the statistics, the statistics is, 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 you know, it's a fun part. It's something that we are sure about that we know how to do that, but also look around, you know, look what the other people do around, you know, what is, how does your programmers do their work? How does the data management do their work? How does the global medical lead you know, sees the project, things like that. Look around. Um, there's there's many opportunities. There's many things that you can learn outside of just statistics. And I think that's just a very good and, and, and good thing. And I'm I'm that's still something I'm 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 having a lot from, you know, just knowing how those functions, those other people work and how they see drug development. Because we, at the end it's a team effort. And, um, you know, we, if we understand our team members and if we see how they think, it also gives us the opportunity to maybe move into other directions. So I have seen statisticians becoming project managers. You know, I have seen statisticians becoming, you know, more programmers. I have seen statisticians who said, I'm doing health technology assessment. So, you know, just really looking over your own, own job. And that is something I can just advise everyone to do. Mm. Yeah. And you can do this in your CRO and you can do this at your pharma company and you can do this if you have your own company. So, 
Awesome. Thanks so much. That was a very, very nice interview. I really enjoyed it. And I think there was a lot of uh, very, very good learnings and advice uh, for the listeners. Um, thanks so much, Oliver. Just one last thing. Um, if people want to find your company, where do they do that? Well, you find me on the internet, coguitars.com. Mm -hmm. And you find myself on LinkedIn and all the social networks. So um, just drop a message, write an email. Um, so for anything about Bayesian design and early phase, you also yeah. go guy to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Oliver. Bye. Thank you. Bye. This show was created in association with PSI. Next week, we actually cover a question from one of the listeners of this podcast, so from someone from your side. If you want to also get a question answers, just send me an email to alexander at theeffectivestatistician.com and I'm very, very happy to introduce it into our editorial calendar. If you have a suggestion for an interview guest, that's also a good idea. Of course, together with the topic. Thanks for listening. Please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes and learn more about our podcast, Boost Your Career as a Statistician in the Health Center.